Welcome to Carrots and Suffering. This is the start of book two. We have a recap for our first 20 episodes, and we'll soon publish a recap of our second 20. If you'd like to start here, I recommend finding those recaps because we've been very busy and you're almost 40 hours behind. If you're all caught up with us, great. We go back in time slightly to start season two to a conversation that I removed from our season one finale. It just didn't fit. It was an argument between our characters that went on too long and was too much of a downer. I've edited it down a lot, and that argument now forms the first half of this episode. But intrigue games can also have intrigue between characters, and characters can understandably not appreciate that all the time. I should also note that we were heavy into quarantine, experimenting with recording separately, and the results were rocky. If you skip the first half of this episode, that's okay by me, but if you can tough it out for 28 minutes or so, you'll understand some of our characters better. And for that reason, I titled this episode, The Enemy of My Enemy. Last time on Carrots and Suffering. Our heroes finished the crafting of a fire and ice cannon-wielding golem to cut the scary and people-mutating thorns. The assembled golem looks more like a roughly assembled effigy of a nine-foot-tall man with four arms, two end in open nozzles, and two in hands that clutch a massive steel scythe. Powerful spirits battled over control of the golem, and in the end Silva called to one more spirit and chose it to power the golem's mind. She will choose hope, even though it seems like it's not the most powerful. The spirit of hope accepted the name carved onto the chest of the golem. Muriel Frikers, the long-ago assassinated favorite teacher of our heroes. Hmm. Muriel, do you feel that using the name Muriel is a hopeful... a hopeful action? I think you do. Hmm. Yes. Very well. I shall be known as Muriel. Our heroes make a plan to head into the Thorns and meet Glindy and another sentient memory fey tree. I would still like to go talk to this Glindy and her Mm. tree first. There are things I personally want to ask it, and I think there are things we could ask it at large. Our heroes do some scouting to find their next location, but before they can enter the Thorns, Jalen's siblings arrive, and they resolve to wait until morning to enter the Thorns. After traveling not too far, a distant willow tree sticking out of the Thorns and the forest, much larger and much wider than any of the other trees. Okay, let's get into it. Hi, I'm Nate, and I will be your Dungeon Master. I'm Sandra, and I play Sable the Druid. I'm Julie, I play Selfa the Wizard. I'm Mandy, I play Jalen the Rogue. And then I'm going to make my way over to Carolina. Was that Druid magic you were doing? Uh, yes, I'm a Druid. Do you follow Master Wu? Uh, follow Master Wu? No, but he is in charge of the Circle of the Land. I grip my walking stick, which is still probably got shillelagh on it. A little bit closer. If your intention is to kill me, I want to know now. She raises an eyebrow at you and says, uh, did did you do something that I should be upset about? I'm going to... I might not need to know. Like, she might not be trying to deceive me, but I'm assuming that she is. Insight is the most appropriate. I got a 15. She's very confused. Seems concerned now but is lacking enough information to make a conclusion okay I'll, I'll stop being as tense as i am master Wu tried to kill me earlier today that's 
That's impossible. Ma Master Wu is like an old gardener. He doesn't he doesn't do anything. He like why would he he doesn't do politics. What did he try to do, Sable? He was making his way to tree and when I asked him what he was doing, he called lightning. He what? Yeah. Called lightning. Did he offer any explanation for why no. he was trying to meet you? No. But he did bring three rather sizable, meaty-looking people with him. Carolina nods and says, that, that sounds like some members of our extended worship circle. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, that's extremely concerning. Absolutely. And I want to know if that means that at some point you're going to have to try to kill me. Sable, I told you, you can't just assume that every member of the Circle of the Land would like you dead. I don't think we can rule it out, either. Master Wu has seniority, but that, I mean, like, that's it. Mm -hmm. So your circle isn't a matter of following his lead or his orders? You're all and autonomous? He runs the sermons on major celestial events. That He's an excellent spiritual guide? Mm. I mean, he, he's literally a Fryker's family gardener. He, Yes, I'm sure that makes him seem very humble. I mean, the, technically, the technically he's just a he's just a free person. I mean, he's of equal rank to all of the members of the circle. Well, I have just learned that Cora is a member of the Circle of the Land as well, apparently, and it is my friend's belief that she has murder in her heart as well. She uh, has been trying to get close to me. Look, I know I just said that Master Wu would never do this, and it seems like I'm wrong, but Cora would also never do this. Something's not right here. I'm going to go try to figure out what's going on. Don't tell him I'm here. I, I won't. And Mia says, Carolina, I trust that you will resolve this matter however you see fit, but it will be resolved. And Carolina says, okay, I assure you it will be resolved. And Mia says, we, can, we cannot afford distractions. We are too close. That, like, widens my eyes, and I cross my arms, and I look <laughs> at her like, yeah, I don't say it out loud, but the look in my eyes is distractions? You call someone trying to kill me distractions? That's the look on my face. <laughs> and Carolina says, I will get right on it. And she turns to walk out and stops and says, Riley, bring your swords. We might need to deal with some distractions. Huh. And Riley and Carolina walk out. Yeah, what's Carolina going to do? I don't know, but... She's going to go probably talk to the other members of her circle and try to figure out what needs to happen next. If Wu is gone rogue, then Wu will be removed. Jalen will put a hand on Sable's shoulder and say, I don't think we can worry about it right this minute. I'm not going to tell you not to worry about it, but we won't know until we hear more. I, I, I understand what you're saying, but, you know, not worrying about someone hunting me when you went off alone, that had both of us so worried. Someone is trying to kill me, and I don't know who's in your house or who to trust. They were lying to you, and you're the person that they love. So I didn't want to stay in the room just in case someone decided to come and try and kill me in the middle of the night. Not only that, but you two have big plans and big ambitions. And I'm seen as an abject failure. Openly associating with you is not going to help your causes. The two of us, who you trust, wanted to stay near you. I trust in your safety if you are near us. 
I'm a thief. How good do you think my reputation really is? Skrix will chime in and say, you're an assassin. That's worse. Thank you, Skrix. Helping. Please look around. You are not the only one here on this estate who has lost their home and cannot return to it. You are not the only person on this estate who has recent cause to fear for their life. There are so many opportunities beyond what has just happened. Muriel would be so proud of what the three of us have accomplished today. You said that we are playing a game, but it really bothers me that you think so. It's not about that. I can't speak for Jalen, but I'm not playing a game. I want to change the game. Agreed. For everyone. And that is what we're doing, and you are part of it. Sable, I care about you, and I don't need you to be a baroness. I just want you to be my friend. I want that too. You have been concealing things, pushing us away. I don't know what to do. Look, I, I had a conversation with my family. Yes, there was information that was hidden from me, but it wasn't kept secret from me when I asked. It was to protect both me and others. So it's okay for your family to conceal things, but somehow when I am concealing things, it's a lack of care. It's not being your friend. When we have asked you about the circle, you have been defensive. There are many things that I have promised that I would tell you. I did not make that promise to Miev. How, how do I talk openly about a circle that we know has existed for a thousand years? Abel, it's, it's okay to tell us there's things that you can't tell us. I have told you that. You've also just not said things. Sylpha nods in agreement. And how is it different than what your family did with you? They kept something from you your whole life. I've kept it for, what, two weeks? Trying to figure out how to talk to you? And in those two weeks, my life has been threatened. I tried to do something about that, and thank God you were part of that because it did help me. But look what happened to the guild. And now there's somebody else hunting me because of a fucking deal that was made a thousand years before my life. I'm saying I want to help you as your friend to do everything I can, but I can only do that with the information you offer. I value our friendship because your ways of practice are different and you've challenged me to think about things differently and that's valuable. And I would challenge you to do the same. This circle that you have, it's yours now. And we need to find out what all the threats to her are now that she is the only member. Well, we don't have to make that a common the knowledge. Of course, Miev knows now, so. She knew before, and she swore her allegiance to both to House Verathi and the Circle of the Moon. And if they come into conflict, and now I look at Miev. We try to rationally work it out. As we're going back to the study, Jalen will walk with Sable, and she'll say quietly, I want to make sure you understand that what happened with the guild wasn't your fault. I stood in the way. I broke rules. I fucked with the game there. You would have completely done that if it hadn't have been the fact that I was a target. That's what you're saying? No, but it's not your fault that you were a target, and it wasn't your decision that I stood in the way. No, it's not my fault. I am accustomed to being a nobody. I wasn't ready for this. And I'm not really ready to throw the only two people in my life at another group of assassins. Well, you can't pat us from life, Sable. And you have never been a nobody to me. And you never will be. 
And I guess you just got to get used to that because if all that happened again, I would do it again. And if all of it happened again, I'd wish you wouldn't. Lucky for you, it wouldn't be your call. I didn't mean to worry you. Thank you. I just didn't want to drag you in. Well, we're in, Sable. And we're all in it together. So, inside the study. Jalen, when she gets up into the room, will unroll the map on the floor mm -hmm. so that we can all look at it. And she will, she'll sigh and she'll say, I, I'll admit to you all that I had a talk with Mia last night. And the reason she's pointing to going to Glindy's tree first is because I would like to talk to it. Are we okay with going to Glindy's tree first? I think that depends on one other thing. Is there bad blood between us? Sable, I'm no stranger to keeping secrets. I try to let you know when I have them. I'm not going to judge you for keeping secrets from us because I don't know what they are and I don't know why. Mm. You've been making a habit of pulling away and distancing yourself from us. And we also don't know why. And I'm not going to tell you to tell me things, but I can only operate on the things that I know. Mm -hmm. I, I agree on this point. And if I make decisions because I don't know something that I should, and you do, yeah, that's on you. And I don't know that that's on you, but it is. And we did make an agreement to each other that when this all first started, we said that we were going to in Jalen's words, end the intrigue bullshit in this kingdom, and that we wouldn't keep secrets from each other as best we could. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I still want to do that. And time has not been a friend no. in that regard. But now that we're not split between houses, now is the time when we can work on that. It has not been my intention to keep things from you. There is a certain uh, hatred that you hold our animosity is not towards you sable i have to deal with her i have to and we understand and we're trying to help you i don't know what deals i am breaking in every single step that i take i need to deal with the fairies i need to know the things that they know and the animosity that you have doesn't leave me room they want to look at silpha and say tell her what, is there a reason that you have this, have the Fae done something to you or to your family? I am a changeling. I get to choose at the age of 21 whether I am human or whether I am a fairy. Sable's jaw just kind of drops open. This place, for all intents and purposes, is the Embassy of the Summer Court. The fairy queen and those allied to her cannot come here unannounced. How long have you known? This is part of the secret that was being kept from me. So, last night. How is it that I can be here then? I am considered an ally of the fairy queen. You announced yourself. We rang the bell. I suppose that would count. Both of you insisted that I do not deal with the fae. And I would continue to insist that we make no deals. The deals are what chain people. I'm also bothered that you think that I look down upon your magic somehow, and you never gave me a chance to explain. You were talking about how, you know, a real magic user studies practices and other things. Think... Everything else is cheap, I think you said. No, fairy deals are cheap. 
I was trying to draw a comparison between that and power which is taken or borrowed from another source, which I do think is inferior. Look at blood magic, okay? You were the one who first cautioned me against it, saying it was dangerous, and, and you were right, okay? It's not even the magic itself that's necessarily bad. It's potential for abuse, and I don't think tithing souls of humans as slaves into servitude to the fairy queen is that much better than slaughtering them for their blood. I ended that immediately, and I would end the circle in a heartbeat. But I don't know what would happen. And I admire you for being the pin that holds that together, and I understand now that the, the weight that is on your shoulders and feeling that. But that's why we want to be here, to help you. I hear what you're saying. I just couldn't see a way to do that when every time I brought up fairies, I got nothing but hatred from you. Made it very difficult for me to talk to you. Say, well, my my animosity is towards these deals, and my animosity is towards the fairy queen. Do not tell me that you have no animosity towards the matron and her cheap magics, as you put it. That was there, too. I don't think that what she did and what she underwent was cheap. It was different. Let us replace the word cheap, then. It had a great cost. Inferior. I find it to be inferior. It's power that one was never meant to have. That is how I view the Fairy Queen. She is a tyrant, abusing the power she has. I don't think we know enough about the Fairy Queen to make that judgment. It still does not endear me to her. There's a difference between being endeared and passing judgment. I just, I do not think what my matron had was inferior. I think it was misguided. It cost her her life. Perhaps she was drawn into it same as you and, and just went deeper and deeper down the path. And it would behoove me to look at that. And to think about it directly, not pass it as inferior and leave it behind. What I'm trying to say is we're we're striving for something better and there's a better way. I want a better way too. But I don't I don't want to denigrate what others have done in the process. Others became trapped and Right. We're trying to avoid that trap. I agree with you on all of this. I suppose I have a little different view on the world, living in a family that doesn't like me, in that I don't, I don't pass judgment on indifference. I can dislike something, recognize it as the best that could be done at the time. And with your newly found information, and your fairy background, perhaps there will be less of that judgment. I have deals. It's possible that I will have to make more before I can end all this. Where will your judgment be? Well, I would endeavor to prevent you from trapping yourself in any more deals. I'm looking at Jalen, too. So Jalen, through all of this, has been pretty quiet, but she's obviously not happy and she says sable i cannot understand why anyone would ever make a deal i just can't understand it i cannot imagine 
any deal you could make that will make your situation better, not in the long run, that it is just going to cost you too much. It's going to cost you your freedom. It could cost you your life. It could make you misstep in ways that you never foresaw. I'm not looking to make any. I have no desire. We've been named enemies of the Fairy Queen because we helped people she was attacking. And now I can't talk to my own father because he didn't foresee that happening. And he made a deal, figuring I guess it wasn't going to apply to me. So... I see that many people are are thrust into deals, like Sable, like anyone who contracts lycanthropy. People, some people are making deals to survive. This didn't have to do with his lycanthropy, I don't think. I think he made a deal for me, and this is how it's coming back to bite him. He's got to attack me as soon as look at me to keep protecting me. The fuck does that make any sense? I don't think the world is ever going to make sense. But I didn't know that. I'm sorry. Yeah. It is the very reason that tree exists. Because we don't have enough of an understanding of the span of time. And the implications of things that we do. And I agree with you that it would be wrong to cut down the tree to take our way our memory our record keeper it's fey well it's like Lynn said the other day Sable not all the fey are bad I don't know whether your tree's good or bad or something in between I have worried since I was inducted into the circle that this would create a wedge between us that could not be removed. And I have felt more and more like that is the case. Like Miev, I would like to find out why the Fairy Queen is doing what she is doing. I would like to end the thorns. I would like to be free of this entrapment. But I have an obligation to keep a thousand-year-old deal right now. And that requires dealing with the Fairy Queen. It requires, apparently, uh, meeting once a month with a bunch of other Fae to, I don't know, sing to her and make her feel better. What? Yeah. Put a little thing on an altar, open it up, let her look, tell her basically how terrifying she is. This is an agreement you have, or this is part of the Circle's agreement? I do this rather than sacrifice people to assuage an ego and keep her at bay. Jalen makes a face and says, so you're, like, kissing her ass on the regs? Like, you're... You're worshipping her? Sable looks at Jalen and just gets tears in her eyes. Is that what you were doing on the full moon? Jalen's staring at her. And she's not necessarily meaning to stare hard, but it probably looks like a pretty fucking hard look. And she false starts a few times. 
She says, I was keeping a thousand-year-old promise. I'm not going to say anything about this right now. And she looks back at the map. When we made our naive promise to each other that we wouldn't let the world put wedges between us, I always imagined it would be other people and not ourselves driving it. But we can agree, right, that we do all want an end to the thorns, to see what's beyond a better world. Yes? Yeah. Then let's hold to that. Let's get to work. You know, it, it is very much within my power at this point to move beyond the thorns on my own. I could get out. How? Well, for one, you saw the form that I can take of a vapor. Yeah, that was a pretty neat trick. Can the vapor fly? I can move in it. How far? Um, it's very slow. Uh, it's more of a means of getting to inaccessible places. But in, in addition to that, I can also fly. You can what? <laughs> Her eyes just go huge. How? Like, just... How high can you go? Well, when I first tried it out, I can go about 60 feet in the air beyond. It's, it's a spell. I mean, I could cast it on you, Jalen. What? She I gets was... excited. <laughs> she gets really excited, and she's like, like, you like know, now, like we could go out right now, and you could cast. I could fly. Yeah, and and Silva kind of like snaps out of uh, out of this too. Like this is the first excitement <laughs> and and joyous reaction she's gotten in a while. So she's like, yeah. And I was thinking like, if I did it on you, like you know that thing you do with your skin, maybe you could be like this hidden, invisible, you know, up in the sky. It'd be amazing. Like Jalen the cloud. <laughs> It's a bird. It's, it's a, plane. a plane. Now it's a naked woman. <laughs> <laughs> I have to be careful no one sees when I do it because well, I don't want anyone shooting me down thinking I'm a fairy. So, Right, right. But this is the place where we could do this without being seen, right? I mean, this estate. I mean, your family there, is there, but some of the workers might be very startled. I would think almost anyone would be startled by someone suddenly flying. But anyways, my point is Apparently, I could also go to the summer court and declare my fairiness and live amongst the fae and the fae wild. But anyhow, I have many means now of, of leaving this place, and I, I find that I can't. Like, I just, I don't, I don't want to go out into that world all alone with thinking of what's going on in the world behind the thorns. It's too much. I don't want to either. It's important to me that we're all in this together and that we make this a reality that's what i want too can we all fly at the same time or is that like a one at a time <laughs> deal <laughs> like so, Sable, so, so Jalen, i don't think that's the point it's, are you are we together on this are we still together uh, i love it um <laughs> oh, sofa, <laughs> sofa does frown a little and she says i I suppose with more practice, I could extend my concentration on it to several people at a time, but... But right now, it's one at a time deal. Okay. Jalen is going to check that Sable's hand is 
properly gloved and she's going to take it and squeeze it and say look thank you for coming clean to us I can't talk about it right now because I'm not going to be able to do it rationally but it has never been a question in my mind about whether we do this thing together or not she's still a little teary about that Mm -hmm. and nods and Sable, as far as other obstacles, I know that you didn't want to use the fruit that we had found to change the nature of your skin. But should you decide you want to, I may be able to help you. How? Silva kind of draws in and looks down. And one of the reasons what went down at your house tears me apart is if the situation had been different, I might have been able to help all of those people. I wasn't sure if I could do it at the time. You did help them. Maybe there were were three people who were infected and you cured them. Yes, and if the others had been alive, I might have been able to cure them too, like I did for myself. How did you cure yourself? You didn't take any of the belladonna. I can remove curses, Jalen. Yeah, she goes dead still. And I don't have fairy agreements. That doesn't mean the fairy queen wouldn't know. Precisely. Which is why I didn't openly volunteer that information. There were 16 of them Sylpha, could you have cast it 16 times? Not in a day, but in a month. Didn't have a month. We didn't have a month. They were coming that night. We only had to keep them alive for one night, and we couldn't. No, time has not been on our side in any of this. But you you could cure Kylan. If he could be in my presence. Yeah. The curse, yeah. That would not negate an agreement. It would... Well, it might. Whatever agreement he made to be able to control it, if if she cures him, she takes away his ability to control it. The difference is, we would, we would be making guesswork on this. Okay, okay. Look, we have to make a plan here about what we're going to do going into the thorns. I would still like to go talk to this Glindy and her tree first. There are things I personally want to ask it, and I think there are things we could ask it at large. And I want to ask Glindy questions. Yeah, I think we could ask Glindy a lot of questions, and unless I'm mistaken, she is also an enemy, so... The enemy of an enemy is my my friend. friend. Yes. We've decided to try something different from Animal Facts and go with Fairy Facts for Season 2, or Folklore, if you please. Our first feature of Fairy Facts is the Spriggan, a group of dark pixies. Spriggans come from Cornish folklore, from the Cornwall region of the United Kingdom, specifically West Penwith, in particular, which is about 90 square miles. Spriggans were documented on paper in the late 1800s and early 1900s, but were likely a staple of local storytelling for hundreds of years. 
Spriggans are always ugly little men, which change to match whatever is ugly to the time and the storyteller. From old and wizened with the heads of babies, to bestial in nature or some featuring tree-like properties. They're universally troublemakers for humans and often criminals or guardians who took offense to strange things. They were known to cause crop blights and whirlwinds and would occasionally steal away mortal children and replace them with ugly mischievous brats. Spriggans were often blamed for robberies and building collapses. To defend against Spriggans, the first thing to do is mind your manners and never offend a fairy creature, else the Spriggans will come punish you, by perhaps knocking down your barn. One could deter fairies by having iron on hand, or holy water. But a cheap trick if you get caught off guard by a Spriggan is to turn your clothes inside out. They hate that. Alright, when last we left, our characters had just finished a flyover experiment where Mandy, playing Jalen, was able to do some scouting from the air, concealed from major avian predators with her chameleon skin. Mandy, you were able to spot above this canopy one supremely large willow tree, just overarching about two, two and a half miles inward from the edge of the thorn line. To describe the terrain of the thorns really quick, imagine looking at it from the ground. You're in a temperate forest, so you've got trees that are towering, but then forming the base around all of these trees is solid nine-foot wall of thorns. Like, peering into the thorns is, if you can see two feet, you're in like a loose thicket. These things are intense. When Sable moves through them, you know, we, we haven't really explained what it looks like, but you should probably imagine it as her literally pushing them aside, not prancing over them. Like, this is thicket. Mm -hmm. And it made the ground, we had you roll a survival or spot, it made the ground really hard to interpret. So, like, you, you have no idea if those two miles is level or what. Okay. And as you are coming back to land, you spot down at the base of the hill, basically on the opposite side of where you were you were looking, two figures on horseback riding up. And even at this distance, you can tell from the sheer gravitas and swagger that Jessica is on one of those horses. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> and that is where we will start. All right. So she lands and she's absolutely elated. It's exhilarating, isn't it? She is totally exhilarated. She's like, yes. And I mean, I think she's been in a pretty dark mood for the last two days, and this has just yanked her out of that. So she's just beaming and probably a little breathless and um, ready to go again whenever you need her to. <laughs> but she will sort of, having done some place marker you know, basic triangulation, will say, okay, the willow tree is about two miles that way. I don't know what the terrain is like. It's it's hard to tell. It's just a carpet of thorns between here and there with the trees intermixed. I can scout the land if need be, but Gollum can... Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Muriel can also just blast her way through it. Also, I think Leslie and Jessica are arriving. That's excellent timing. Speaking of which, you do hear the bell ring out from the bottom of the hill, uh, and almost immediately, as if someone must have seen them coming, there's a second bell from the top of the hill. Jalen will get dressed. Shall we meet them at the gate? I think we could, yeah. 
We'll meet them at the gate then. So you get to the gate. The sort of stone low wall that surrounds the manor means that you will get to them before anyone from House Lunari does. The protocol here seems for the House Lunari folks to wait back by the main door, which is good. So uh, reaching the top is Jessica, and in a considerably less imposing-looking form on the second horse in the back is Leslie. And they sort of trot up to you, and Jessica immediately hops off, and in a somewhat out of character way like stomps up to Jalen and then gives you this massive wraparound hug that sort of picks you up off the ground oh Jalen is like I mean I think she's sort of a little stunned for a second and then she just sort of melts into it and gives her a hug back and says it's really good to see you Jessica <laughs> yeah well it's good to see you too I heard you uh you and Kylan had a throwdown like a literal throwdown yeah, yeah, we did. Uh, I think I could take him. How'd you do? Well, we weren't really trying to hurt each other, so it's hard to say. Oh. He threw me into a weapons rack, and I walked away with some bruised ribs, so there's that. Mm. But then okay. I trapped him under a crate, so there's that. She tilts her head to the side, and then kind of like like a really big crate? Like, how did you get a dude in a crate? It was a lot bigger than he was Whoa. at, at the time. <laughs> Oh, and then she goes, oh, oh, <laughs> oh, okay. Wow, you must have really been throwing some punches. I, you're going to tell me what the hell was up with that. Yeah, have you seen him since then? Uh, she says, I, he, you know, he didn't say anything to me. And Leslie has also hopped off the horse at this point and is walking up and says, he packed up and appears to be gone for an extended trip. I assumed he would head for the sewers. Um, I can't tell. He took... A lot of weapons. Did your dad know where he went? Lizzie says, I, I didn't um I didn't actually get to talk to him. There's uh there was some kind of thing at House Verathi, and um I went and took notes. It was dramatic. Uh and then he continued business afterwards. So I don't I don't think he knows. If he does, I didn't get a chance to ask him. Do you know whether Kylan got the notes I sent him? Well, he did go into your room, so Probably. Okay. Thank you, Leslie. I, things are pretty weird right now. Yeah. Um. I don't, I don't pretend to understand the ins and outs of a certain kind of mystic politics. I'm really much better with the mundane kind. Uh. Well, cheating at it, anyway. Um. So yeah. Uh. I don't know what he's gonna do. I got no idea. Okay. Well. Um. You all should come in. Welcome to our country estate, and thank you for coming. I'm glad to see you're looking well again, Jessica. Jessica looks at you and says, is Paul here? Um, Paul? Yeah. Yeah, the guy with the shiny butt. Is Paul here? <sighs> he's very noticeable, and I haven't seen him around recently, but he's a weaver and he comes here sometimes, so I imagine you might run into him at some point. Why? Uh, you know, I just have some unfinished business with this Paul character. I mean, if it's the Paul I'm thinking of, what? <laughs> she gives you a look and says, look, Jalen, you know, you can do whatever you want uh, with whomever you want, but I still get to punch him. Okay, Jessica, please don't punch Paul the Peacock Spider. Yes, Lady Jessica, please, please don't punch Paul. It It was mutual. <laughs> but... But I do have a cousin you could punch who might actually enjoy that. 
Uh, okay, I'm listening. <laughs> His name's Iris. I'll be sure to introduce you. Oh, shit. <laughs> if you spot a guy with long purple hair and you walk up and hit him, everyone will assume he probably did something to deserve it. Yeah, I like this house. Did you, uh, did you get the note from, um, Faust? Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. I can't tell what he wants. Do you think he's, like, um, like, and she, she actually pulls out this crumpled piece of paper from her pocket that you recognize and turns it around and is like, do you think he, like, do you think he just, like, wants, like, drinks or what, like, what do you think he, and she's, like, shoving this piece of paper at you, Jalen? Uh, yeah, Jalen sort of eases the paper away and says, I, I, Jessica, I don't know, maybe you should just respond to the note and see. I think he's attracted to you. Hmm. He's got a reputation. I mean, the Porninos are pretty tough. Yeah. Oh, what? Okay, hold on. What's his reputation? Bit of a player. Okay. All right. I mean, I, I, I can play too. Yes, yes, you can. Um, you know, Jessica, you should, you should see him. And uh, if he does anything to hurt you, then I'll have somebody to punch too. Yeah, I, he's not going to hurt me. Uh, you know, you don't have to worry. But okay. All right, maybe I'll like. Should I write him back, or should I just like ride over there? No, you should write him back. Okay. Um, I'm going to need some help with that. Okay. And she actually turns and looks at Leslie, and Leslie goes, no, no. I'll help you, Jessica. All right. And you can see that you've you've gathered at the gate, and there's two House Lunari workers that they don't really have servants in the traditional sense that look like horse farriers that are kind of like walking up to you. And their names are Clyde and Dale. <laughs> oh my god, and they're chipmunks, right? No, like Clydesdale. No, like no, but there's also some <laughs> But also they're shirtless, so they could be Chippendale too. Exactly. Chippendale. Yeah. Clyde and Dale stride up. Clyde is a uh, unusually thick man, extremely well muscled, and has what you might call a horse face in human terminology, though, like, uh, it's not a literal horse. It's horsey enough you can't really tell if it's a mutation or if he's just kind of a little fugly. Dale, on the other hand, is a, is a much more lean individual, and he walks strangely and has very bizarrely shaped shoes. They will take the horses and take them off towards the stables. Well, Jalen will look to Silpha and say, should I... Should they stay in the bunk room? Yes, they're absolutely welcome to stay overnight if they wish. Okay, well, uh, Jalen will lead the way to show them where to put stuff if they've got it with them. Jalen, roll me insight. You have advantage because they're your siblings. A 19. 19. Leslie knows where everything is already. Of course she does. And is pretending she does not. Okay. Jessica has never been here before? Jessica's clueless. She will, uh, she'll kind of take Leslie's arm and lead them both to the, the bunk room that Cora showed Sable and Jalen to the day before and show them in. And there's, you said there's like four beds in there, right? Yep. Yeah. She'll, she'll say, I actually have been crashing in Silpha's room, but so, you know. Yes. There is also the governess's suite, which is mine when I stay here. And if those larger accommodations would be more comfortable... Jessica and Leslie may take that instead. 
uh, Jessica gives you the weirdest look you have ever seen. Uh, roll me insight, uh, Julie. Fifteen. Fifteen. Uh, you get a sense of discomfort from Leslie around this you staying in the governess quarters thing, but they are able to keep their face very flat. I think Silpha interprets this as a security issue. So she shrugs and says, I suppose it's not the most secure location. I mean, there are two doors to it. Stay wherever you feel most comfortable. Leslie will nod. Jessica doesn't seem to follow what's the conversation anymore, but doesn't seem to care. Taylin suddenly gets a rare insight, I think, into what's going on and says, or, you know, maybe Leslie will be more comfortable staying in the governess suite and Jessica and I can stay in this room. You can see a variety of emotions <laughs> flashing across Leslie's face that are shut down slowly. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> Got her. <laughs> and then Leslie will say, you know, uh, let's try that. All right. Well, uh, Silfa, you want to show her to your room and I'll show Jessica around the estate. Uh, Sable, you want to, do you want to come walk around? Sable will take a look around the room think for a minute and then just kind of shrug and say sure and trail along behind so you get to the governess's room leslie walks in and walks over to like a, a dresser kind of thing pulls out a drawer and drops a bag in and turns around and kind of walks over to the second door that leads to the nursery space and locks it three times it only had two locks. The third one's probably magic. And then turns around and says, this this room's perfect. Um, so, uh, do you, do you like children? Well, um, I, I don't mind children. I mean, I always supposed I'll be required to have air someday. Leslie just kind of nods. Says, okay, okay. Um. I mean, since I was sent to the finishing school, I'm expected to break the benefit of some of that education here. I tutor some of the younger children in basic arithmetic and letters, you know, that sort of thing. Great. I'll, um, maybe I can help with that while I'm, I'm here. Oh, oh, you're under the impression that my primary role when I stay here is as a governess. That's not the case. Um... Well, I know you don't stay here very often, but uh, I guess it was still a surprise to me to hear that you were governessing. Um, but don't don't worry about it. Um, I will, you know, I'll, I'll I'll see if I can't help out. Um, in the nursery, yes. Silpha gets a look of extreme skepticism on her face. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fine. Uh, I mean, how, how hard can it be, right? Um, at that statement, Sofa's look of skepticism deepens and does not go away. Anyway, uh, hey, um, feel free to stop by, you know, whenever, um. I, um, I will be making some excursions away from this estate, but I won't be, um, crossing through town or visiting any of the other houses. I have obligations here that I must attend to. 
I needed a component for the completion of a spell, and part of my agreement with my family in order to obtain that was to continue to remain here for an extended period of time. So your aunt is taking control of the courting process? Mm, no. I mean, the other part of my agreement was that I would continue the courting process as my family expects. Um, Leslie gives you a nod, and you can see her doing complex math or something in her mind as she's sort of, like, gesturing you towards the door. And she says, yeah, um, excellent. I will, I can make this work. What are you getting at? <laughs> um, well, I, okay. Um, I guess I assume Jalen told you, but maybe she didn't. Um, my father is going to pitch wedding our families together in hopes that we can rebuild what was lost in recent nights. Uh... Yes, I'm perfectly aware of that. So, uh, I need to work on that. That's top top priority. Sofa frowns a little bit and says, Well, um, quite frankly, I have some other priorities that I would like to focus on, but my intention in inviting you to tea at the townhouse earlier in the week was that we could begin to talk. Leslie nods and says, Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I... I hoped that maybe the two of us could, you know, feel things out informally, and then, if things looked like they could proceed towards a partnership, then perhaps we could have a series of formal courtships for our families. Leslie nods and says, Well... I would still like to lay the groundwork. I, I, I think that um, while we explore the situation, we should put the the agreements on the table and uh, convince the right people. Um, well, um, if you're looking for the right person to convince, that's that's me. <laughs> so I think I think Leslie kind of stops at that and. Looks at you and and then just nods and says, "All right, feel free to stop by, and if you're busy, I will leave you some notes, and we can arrange a time to spend more time together. Well, won't you be spending a bit of time with us now? I could show you about the grounds. we can have a conversation. Um, sure, let's do that." And Leslie puts her, basically her arm around your arm, kind of linking elbows, and says, lead on. So Jalen, Jessica, and Sable are checking out the grounds. I mean, Jalen will sort of show her sort of the lay of the land as she's sort of scoped it out. But then she's also like, you know, Sable's been going around the orchards more with Cora, so. I say, no, I haven't. Not at all? No. We sat in the meditation space. She showed me where the orchard was, that I did some work. She took care of the bees. Is it pretty quiet there? 
in the meditation space? Yeah. Can we go there? I, I guess. I mean, it's not mine. It's more hers. Well, if she's in it, then we won't bother her. How about that? Hopefully there won't be a trap, she says. And I'll show her over there. <laughs> a trap? Okay, roll me investigate. Both of us? Yep. Now I rolled a seven. Twenty-one. I just got a ten, so I didn't see anything. I'm I'm watching for the arrows that are going to come from the... Or the <laughs> fucking pitchforks from the farmers who have decided that Master Wu is the way to go. There is a uh, like a freshly planted tree that looks like it was put in probably early this morning. There's still a lot of dirt around it. It, it was a sizable tree. Mm-hmm. And it is weirdly placed, and Jalen's the only one who notices. What's weird about it? Well, it doesn't match the pattern. So the rest of the the meditation glade is basically like this small semicircular windbreak of trees. Uh-huh. And then, like, it's asymmetrical because there's one new tree added. Ah. Uh, yeah, okay, Jalen will point that out to Sable and be like, is that new? It's new, right? It was there... This morning, but looking at it, you can tell it is just brand spanking new. Hmm. I mean, it kind of it kind of throws off the symmetry of the place. What kind of tree is it? It's just an elm, a very young elm tree. It's big. It's someone put a lot of effort into getting it into the ground here. Mm, okay. Is there anything strange about this tree? Like magical or? No, it's just it's just a tree that has been weirdly planted. I would just say, well, it is indeed passing strange. I can't understand the reasoning for it, but then I am I'm not familiar with her meditations. Hmm. Well, this is a good as spotted any, and she takes out a paper and a pen and says, all right, what do you want to say to Faust? Okay, tell him he's got, like, a really cute butt, but then, like, add that I'm pretty sure I could beat him in an arm wrestling match. All right. You've got a cute butt, and I'm pretty sure I could kick it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, Jessica, I, I'm hoping you want to stay here for a little bit. We're getting into shenanigans, and I knew you would never forgive me for leaving you out of them. Oh, no, I, I, Isaac said that you were going to do something, and I'm here, I'm here to help. Great. All right. Well, I think we could send this, we could leave this a little open-ended. You could say, cute butt, let's arm wrestle. And uh, we'll see if he gets back to you. Great. Okay. All right. Uh, sorry, I called him Isaac. Le Leslie. Right. We're all getting used to it. Mm -hmm. Are you getting along better with her? Yeah. Leslie's way nicer than Isaac was. Isaac just sh shut himself in his room all the time. Yeah. How's the house? Mostly repaired. That's good. There's some work that needs to be done on uh, Leslie's room, but the rest of the damage is, is gone. And you're feeling better now that you've puked your guts out eight times and change? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely am not going to eat the Belladonna Wolfsbane tea ever again, but... Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully not. Unless you get bitten by something else, but... Yeah, okay, let's avoid that. Let's avoid that. As far as, far as we know, they're all gone. Great. Yeah. We won. And she elbows you. 
Cheer up. Yeah, I guess we won. Big old cost, though, wasn't it? Jessica gives you a look. You can see her processing. I don't think you even need to roll to realize, like, it did not occur to her how much of a cost there was. And she kind of, she gives you, like, a, a somewhat solemn nod. Like, again, out of character for her, or...? I think it is out of character for her to hear you explain the cost or say there was a cost and to have her reflect. I think that is actually out of character. You can tell she's she's trying really hard right now in a way she has not historically bothered. It's like our baby's all done growing up. I am disconnected from this conversation and examining the tree. I'm trying to figure out why this tree is here because that's a lot of effort. To put a tree in that, that actually messes up a meditative space. Is there anything about this tree or the way that it was planted or... Roll me nature. Let's see if I do better on nature. Ha! <laughs> I rolled a one! I'll roll it just, just, for, just for funsies. Oh, I got a 18. Yeah, so with a one, you can tell it's it was sloppily done. But that's it. With an 18, you can tell they moved a lot more dirt than they needed to. I mean, and this looks like this was done today. Yes. Like, middle of last night, probably. Oh, middle, like in the middle this of the night. This is just weird. It's afternoon now, so... If it was just planted, like, how big of a tree is this? It's like a... It's not a sapling anymore. It's big enough that one person would have really struggled to carry it and get it in the ground. You said it was sloppily planted. If I lean on it, does it move where it's planted? No, nope. they got it in the ground pretty good. I'm clearly distracted by this tree. And I'm just like, I mean, it's hasty. It wasn't here last night. I don't get it. I don't understand its purpose. And it seems out of place. I don't know. I'm a little paranoid about being around Cora. I know what... Silpha said, but I'm I'm not I'm not sure I believe it. So I mean we could ask her. But this is out of it's just not right. Jalen will be like, Well, I doubt she'll try anything on you when we're around, so if why don't we all go together and find her? Strength in numbers, right? Okay, well, I guess we'll go looking Yeah, we'll go try to find Cora. As she walked into the orchard, Jessica says like, Is this Cora person like a problem? I don't know. We don't know. She seems very, very interested in Sable. Oh. And she's very, very forward. Excessively forward. I see. All right. So, what, 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 like, are we trying to figure out if she's serious? Or, like, is that... I... Uh, yeah, figuring out her intentions would be good, but, you know, we don't want to... Mm, okay. Rock a boat too hard. No, I'm, I'm actually, I'm really good at figuring out people's intentions. Do you want me to just take the lead on this one? No. No. Oh, okay. But watch her, because you've never met her, so, you know, watch her, and then maybe when we're away from her, you could tell us what you think. All right. Okay, yeah. That sounds good? A, I can, I okay. can do this. This is, like, this is a great game. Okay, great. Sable <laughs> just shakes her head, like, when she says game, like, oh, God. With Jessica, there's just certain ways you have to play. <laughs> That's why she's letting yep. you handle her. Uh, so I'm, yeah, I'm looking for Cora. All right. You get to the beekeeping shed. There's a, a bunch of honey filtering equipment around it, like big kind of vats and strainers and stuff. 
There's a lot of jarring equipment inside the shed, you know. You didn't pass her in the orchard. You get to the shed and the shed's closed. Closed? I mean, it's like, it's not locked or anything. It just, it doesn't look like anyone's working here at the moment. Well, I'm going in. Okay, you throw the door open. Well, I push the door open. Cora sort of bolts upright from the chair she was obviously dead asleep in. <laughs> As the sun hits her uh, through the door and stands up is rubbing her eyes and goes, I, uh, sorry, sorry, uh, I didn't, I, uh, ooh, late, late night. Um, and then she kind of like seems to first register who you are and then says, oh, um, hey, guys. We leave it there for today, and so begins book two of Carrots and Suffering. We're excited we made it this far, and we continue to find new and interesting ways to record while we sit in quarantine. It is 2020, which is shaping up to be the worst year of many people's lives. Carrots and Suffering has made a few donations to charity, and we would invite you to investigate a local charity for police reform. In the United States right now, we are engaged in a big discussion about our criminal justice system and how it produces different results based on skin color. We remind every American, in the sound of our voice, that all people in the United States are innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Any outcome short of that is a miscarriage of justice. We do make some allowances for police officer safety, but there must be some type of accountability. This is a field where bad apples do irrevocable damage to the community in an instant. When the data clearly indicates a disparity of outcomes based on superficial factors, it implicates the legitimacy of the entire system. We join our voices to Black Lives Matter, and we invite you to participate how you can. Good luck, everyone, and stay safe out there. We'll be back to our world of fictional dangers soon. See you next time on Carrots and Suffering, a D&D Odyssey. He's gone. He's gone. Go speed Nader. <laughs> oh shit, that's on the recording. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he said something about bringing the wrong notebook. Dope. He can wing it. He's the Nader tot. We got talking to do. I thought we would start more positively because we literally like saw a unicorn and touched a spirit of hope. <laughs> we did just see a unicorn. I know, like, right? Come on. That that should have like shifted things just a little bit, like Something good happened because a fucking <laughs> unicorn showed up and animated our project. If nothing else, we got to see a damn unicorn. All right. So I think we are probably in a position to record. Yeah, you're oh. very kill Kilroy right now. We're only seeing your eyes and part of your nose. <laughs> it's just how the Dungeon Master troll likes it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> what I kind of so, want is what I kind of want is a screenshot of Nate's face and how we're recording. <laughs> Do you want to play a game? <laughs> yeah, he he wants it so that we can't see when he gets the DM face. But, when, uh, when, the, yeah. the, when the smirk comes know, up, we know something's up. My <laughs> eyes will give it away. <laughs> No, no, no! It's you go deadpan, like you go mm. like totally, like straight face mm. when we know something's up. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know if I would describe it that way. There, it's like a little enigmatic twerk. It, it's got, it's got yep. like this inherently infuriating smugness to it. Yeah. Like <laughs> yes, you just keep doing what you think you should be doing. Okay, pat, pat, pat. pat. It'll be fine. This will be interesting. <laughs> We're like, we don't want to live in interesting times. 